Well, good morning, everyone. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here at City this morning. And again, thank you so much for your participation here in making City your fam- church family. And um, what we're doing as a church family is we are processing through a teaching series that's been entitled, Why Church? Why Church? And the truth of it is, that type of a sermon series may be kind of viewed as literally preaching to the choir. How many of you have ever heard of that terminology before, preaching to the choir? But... I know, and leadership studies have showed, that almost every organization can experience some form of drift or sideways energy to where you kind of lose your purpose and what you're all about. And so the reason for this teaching series has been to talk about why church. This morning's topic is going to be very simply the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. Now with that... I have kind of an introductory question, and it's this. How many of you have a favorite meal? Raise your hand. You would say you have a favorite meal. Now, without being too obnoxious, give me a few shout-outs for your favorite meal. Go ahead. Tacos. That's a college student. Um, What else? Barbecue. Very good. What else? Macaroni and cheese. Wow. And that little one wanted to make sure that we all heard that. Mac and cheese, mac and cheese. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner is the favorite meal that someone has. But the idea is we all have a favorite meal. I'm going to tell you my favorite meal, literally the most memorable meal I've ever had in my life was eaten at an Italian restaurant in the Italian burg of Trenton, New Jersey. You know where this is going. This place was called Chianti's. And Chianti's was an Italian restaurant. It was a restaurant where everyone that worked there was completely Italian. Over half of them had Italian accents. I love Italian food. That's why I married Fran. She's, uh, she's Italian. Figure I'd keep the theme going there. And so I can remember the first time I ever ate there. I did not go there with Fran. I went with a friend of mine. He's Polish. I'm obviously not Italian. And when we went to this restaurant, they literally stuck us by the swinging door. The restaurant was completely, almost empty. Yet they stuck us right by the door where every time they came out of the kitchen, the door would go, want, 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 and then close. And the reason why we weren't, we weren't Italian, it was pretty obvious they didn't want us there. So the next time I took my wife, Italians can spot each other. And so when I walked in with Franny, her maiden name is Pachoni, when I walked in with Franny, they gave us the best seat in the house. Now listen, the food was utterly amazing. Literally amazing. I cannot recall eating food that was that delicious. Now listen, that was my favorite food. But my favorite meal is Thanksgiving. You know why? Because of who's there. In my family growing up, Thanksgiving was a big deal. And I think the reason why is, is that my mother was born and raised in Yorkshire, England. 
She immigrated to Canada, met my father, and eventually we ended up migrating or immigrating to the U.S. But for whatever reason, my mom loves Thanksgiving. She loves it. And so Thanksgiving was always a big deal at our home, and it still is. My father right now is in a, in a retirement home. My mom still lives in their house. We will be there in just a couple of weeks. My brother will fly in from California. My other brother lives there, and we will gather together for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is more important than Christmas in my family as far as gathering for a meal. Now listen, I don't want to deny it. The Thanksgiving meal is amazing. Absolutely is. How many of you experience what I do? You eat the Thanksgiving meal and then you have to go find a couch or a floor or some level place and you just snooze and you just totally lose consciousness because of all you've eaten. And the food is amazing. And the other thing is, the only person that can cook like that is my mom. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Mom or grandmom makes something. You can try as you might, but it never tastes the same. Now, the reality of it is, though, Thanksgiving is so incredible in our family because of who's there. It's beyond the food. Now, the food, again, is great, but it's beyond the food. It's about who's in the room, and here's another unique part of that. My father always prays, always does. He doesn't normally pray over the food, but for that he does. And so it was this meaningful time for us when it comes down to Thanksgiving. So my favorite food is Italian. My favorite meal is Thanksgiving. And this morning, I want to talk to us about the Lord's Supper. And what you're going to discover very quickly is that even biblically the Lord's Supper, the food is not necessarily the point. It's much bigger than that. And now I'm well aware that some of us have taken communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist for decades. I'm well aware of that. But what I want to do for us is I want us to take an in-depth look at the Lord's Supper together. Why? Because when we gather as a church, that's when we take Communion, the Lord's Supper, or the Eucharist. We do that together. And so what we're going to do at the outset is we're going to read the most famous passage in the Bible that I've read every single communion service for 30 years publicly, and for 20 years here as your lead pastor at City, as we have looked together at this passage just before we take communion. And so if you would... Would you grab your Bible or you can read it off the screen? I'm going to read out loud, if you would read along with me, the passage found in 1 Corinthians. In this letter, the Apostle Paul is writing some scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church of Corinth. He is teaching them about the Lord's Supper. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. Have you ever experienced betrayal? On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Do you notice the serious tone that the Apostle Paul writes about as he talks about the Lord's Supper? Now here's what I'm aware of. Oftentimes when we take communion or the Lord's Supper together, we have people here at City who have no clue what's happening. So what I want to do is just explain for all of us again, or maybe for the first time, what really is communion? What is the Lord's Supper? Where does it come from? Almost as though I'll be teaching it to someone who's got their nose pressed against the glass. They're fogging it up a little bit as they peer in on what we'll be doing at the end of this service. The question they would ask is, what are you doing and why? So, the Lord's Supper is something that began before Jesus The Lord's Supper is actually something that began all the way back when the Israelite people exited Egypt. You see, what happened back then is the people of of Israel had been held in bondage and slavery to the Egyptian empire for 430 years, and God raises up a guy named Moses. And Moses goes before Pharaoh, and some of you know the story. There's a series of miracles. And before you know it, Moses begins to bring the people out of Egypt towards the promised land. And here they are, exiting slavery. And when all of that is done, and all of that has taken place, and they're finally moving into the promised land, and they're moving in that direction, God appears to Moses and essentially says this, There's a meal. And you're going to take that meal on a certain day of the year, every single year. And you're going to celebrate as an Israelite people my deliverance out of slavery to bondage. And the meal has certain things that the Jews will eat. It's called the Passover meal or the Seder. And they eat that meal and there's different things that they eat. And some of them are bitter to remind them the bitterness of slavery. And there's other that's salty and it reminds them of the tears that they cried in bondage. And then the last piece is kind of a fruity, nutty little thing that they eat that is a reminder of God's blessing and God's goodness. But this meal has literally been eaten for thousands of years on the same day, on the same night, same meal, same things have been said, and all of it is to commemorate God's deliverance of the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Now the amazing thing is, is that some of us, when we sit here, think, what does that have to do with communion or the Lord's Supper, everything? Because you see, Jesus was performing the Passover, the Seder meal. He was performing that as the rabbi of his disciples. 
And when he came to a point where the bread was to be broken, he changed it. He changed this verbiage that had been used for thousands and thousands of years. And when Jesus picked up the bread, the Bible says he broke it. And he said the following, This is my body, which has been broken for you. The disciples would have been stunned. No longer was it about Moses and about God per se. Now all of a sudden Jesus co-ops that meal and makes it about himself saying, I am your deliverer. I can set you free from slavery and from bondage. And then later on in the meal as we just read, Jesus took the cup. There were four cups in that Jewish Seder and each one of them said something very specifically. And Jesus picks up the cup, the cup of redemption, and he announces that that cup is now to be celebrated in his blood. That his body would be broken and that his blood would be shed. And all of that now pointed to him and a new covenant that God was making with people. Now, interestingly enough, though, the person who's kind of peering through the glass at what we're going to do in just a few moments would ask the question, why in the world would you celebrate something so old and hear simply why? Because your story and my story doesn't just begin with Jesus. It begins thousands of years ago with a God who sets his people free. And that meal, and the meal we're getting ready to take, is to be a constant reminder that there's a God who loves us, and He sets us free. Now as I think about that, it's interesting to note that communion or the Lord's Supper is unique. It's not just words, although words are always spoken. But there's literally action, there's eating that takes place. That you and I together in just a few moments, we will eat together the bread. We will drink together the cup as we remember God as our deliverer and Jesus for what he's done for us. Now here's another amazing thing. It's this. Jesus is eating this meal before he dies. Isn't that fascinating? When we read about the communion meal, we read about it in the context where Jesus has not yet allowed his body to be broken. He has not yet shed his blood. But he's eating the meal and announcing it as, he, as though he already has. Because he hands out the bread and he says, break this, this is my body. Drink this, it's about my blood and what I've done for you. But it hasn't happened yet. And yet here Jesus is speaking as though it's already happened and it's already true. You know, as I was thinking about that and the timing of that, have you ever seen someone, specifically an athlete, who kind of raises the football in victory five yards too soon? Have you ever seen that? You ever seen the famous NFL uh, videos where like today when the Green Bay Packers pummel the Saints. And what you're going to experience is you all watch that and rejoice with me. 
You're going to see people who once they cross the goal line, they're going to celebrate and they're going to cheer and they're going to shout and they're going to be all excited. And it's that victory lap. It's that victory dance. But have you ever seen the videos? You can YouTube this of these NFL athletes that begin to celebrate too soon. And they lift the ball up and they begin to dance and someone smacks the ball out of their hands. The famous one is the guy that goes running into the end zone, he's going to do a somersault and he does that and the ball spits out of his hands just as he does the somersault and it lands and he fumbles just before the end zone. You see, the truth of it is, is Jesus, when he brings communion, is already having the victory dance, but it hasn't been done yet. He's presenting a meal as though he's already died and his body's been broken and his blood has been shed, but it hasn't happened yet. And here's the reality, and it's this. We would never be celebrating communion had he not been raised from the dead as he said. That meal would have been eaten once and never eaten again. The announcement of what Jesus has done for us would have been announced once and never announced again. And yet what we experience is that Jesus makes this announcement through a meal where we eat together as a church family. And he makes the announcement about, here's what I'm going to do. And then he says to his disciples, eat this meal when you gather together and do it in remembrance of me. You know, it's interesting But the text that I read earlier, and I will read again just before we take the Last Supper together, it says this, remember his death until he comes. That when we hold the bread and we hold the cup, we will remember the death of Jesus. We will remember it again. But then the next phrase is amazing. It says, until he returns. Remember the Lord's death until He returns. And this is something that's absolutely fascinating. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, where in communion, in the Lord's Supper, the past, the present, and the future will come together. Here's the verse. It says, for whenever you eat this bread... And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death, what is in the past, until He returns. And so when we hold the cup, it's an incredible thing to think about. But when we hold the bread and we hold the cup, all the history of Israel lies behind us and meets us. All the history of Jesus And his death on the cross and what he has done for us lies right there. But then it's present tense. We are proclaiming him as we take communion. But then we also look to the future, recognizing that one day he will return and he will make everything as it should have been. So communion literally is a time when time stands still. And I hold the emblems of his body, and I hold the emblem of his blood, and when I hold those in my hand, time stops, and the ancient history of Israel meets me, and what Jesus did for me on the cross meets me, and it's present tense, 
But then I also think about his return when Jesus Christ will be crowned king and everything that's upside down will be made right side up and everything that's dysfunctional and broken and sideways will be made new. And so when we sit there in just a few moments and we hold that together, time stops, literally, and God invites us in to all of history and we celebrate again Jesus, what he's done for us. Now, that's a big deal. You know, yesterday was a big deal in my life. I've been married to Franny as of yesterday, 27 years. That's right. And 27 years ago, she gave me this ring at an altar. And it's where her and I gathered before God and people and said, we're going to do this thing for life. Now, I really like the ring that she bought me. I like it a lot. But you know the real meaning behind the ring isn't the fact that I like it. It's that it speaks to a commitment that she made to me and I made to her. And I can tell you this, I've never taken this ring off for any other reason other than to clean it. And I've put it back on again. And the reason why is because it speaks to me every time I see it. Even when she's never done anything wrong, but when I've done something wrong, <laughs> I look down there and I go, wow. And then what I've realized after 27 years is she's too tired to leave anyway, so we've got the cat in the bag. <laughs> but there's just something about it. It speaks to me. But can you imagine if I told you this story and then I exited today and I took the ring off, never wore it again. You see, there are certain symbols that speak to the fact that yes, this is the past, this is the present, but there are certain uh, symbols that speak about my intention into the future. Communion's like that. When we take the Lord's Supper together today, yes, it's about the past and it's about the present, but you're also speaking about your intentions and what your plans are into the future. Here's another thing that fascinates me about communion. It's extremely personal, but it's always taken with others. It's extremely personal. We'll go, after, we'll go over this just before we take communion. But communion is that thing that I do with others, with my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And in that context, it's special. It's that not that I break the body and drink the cup, but it's that we do it together. There's something powerful about that, which is important. And so the question is, who will eat this meal with me today? I know who's going to eat that Thanksgiving meal with me and my parents on Thanksgiving. But the question is, who's going to eat the meal with me today? Here's what I know, because I know the stories of many people in this room. Who will eat this meal with me today is a thief who has stolen. Who will eat this meal today 
with me are people who have used their bodies in specific ways for financial gain. People that will eat this meal with me today are people who were drug addicts. All of their lives have been filled with lies and betrayal in lost years. That's who will eat communion with me today. There are people here today who will eat communion with me who have had abortions. That will happen today. There will be men who eat this meal with me today who have ruined other lives with their anger. There are wealthy men who will eat communion with me today who have lived in unbelievable greed and have refused to give. I will eat communion today with leaders who have used others to reach their own glory. I will eat communion today with men who have used women for their own pleasures. I will eat communion today with soldiers who have served in the military and under orders have had, had to do things that today when they look in the rearview mirror of what they did in their military service, they are filled with shame and anguish. I will eat communion today and take the Lord's Supper today with people who are far too eager to share news about other people that undermines that person. It's called gossip. I will eat communion today with adulterers, people who have broken up homes. I will eat communion today with people who hate others because of the color of their skin and the race from which they come. I will eat communion today with couples who have mocked God and mocked people that have followed Him. You see, why do I reference it this way? Because each one of these people today, as we've gathered together, have found forgiveness through this meal. You see, Matthew chapter 26, verse 28 Jesus said in the book of Matthew, when he was giving this last supper, he said to his disciples, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many, the next phrase is so key, for the forgiveness of sins. You see, there are people that will break bread with me today and drink the cup today who have done unbelievable things. They have sinned. And yet as they approach this table, they are reminded again of the forgiveness that Jesus brings. Ultimately, these people, through forgiveness, have found peace. They have found peace. I have met with people in and through City Church who have done things, and if sin was a profession, they were professionals. And yet one day, all of that crawled up their spine and dove down in their soul and they could no longer live with themselves. They ended up meeting Jesus and He forgave them and He set them free. And they have experienced peace. A peace that stands in the face of everything they've ever done. And so, this meal is about all of us gathering and finding peace. You see, the funny thing is, 
One of the reasons why Jesus was crucified is that he ate with sinners. The righteous people hated him for that because he would find the prostitute and the politicians and the preachers and he would eat with them. And they despised him for it. Because you see, in Jesus' day, righteous people don't eat with the unrighteous. But I am so thankful that Jesus' meal is extended to anyone, specifically the unrighteous. And he says, come to my table and eat. Jesus loves to eat with sinners. That's why you and I are invited to this meal today. People have found peace. But you know, through this meal, for centuries, people have found hope as well. You see, many a dying soul has taken communion at the end of their life, and they have found hope. There's many an overwhelmed person that's sitting here in this auditorium that when we break bread and we drink the cup together, you will find hope. There's many an exhausted parent that is in this room, that when we break bread and we drink the cup, you will discover hope. And there's many a wandering son and daughter who have strayed from the path that you know best, but when we sit before this meal together, you will find hope. And you know what? There are people here today whose pockets are lined with money. Your goals have been set and met. And yet at the end of that, there's been an emptiness that you never thought you would experience. You've achieved everything you set out to do, yet you're still empty. And I will tell you, as we eat this meal today, you will discover hope. And listen, there are also people that are here today. You're lost. You know it. Your life feels as though you're stumbling around in a dark room, bumping into furniture. You can't figure out why life is just going the way it's going. The Bible says that all people are lost. We need to step into the light. What I have found is we meet at the table today that lost people will experience hope. Then last, but not least, grief-stricken people whose hearts are deeply broken because of grief, as we take the cup and we break bread, you will experience hope. Because here's what the Bible teaches us, that we break bread and we drink of the cup and we do this to proclaim Jesus' death until He returns. Until He returns. Meaning that life here is not all that there is, but in Jesus there is a supernatural existence that we find in Him. And then last, people at this table will find peace, hope, and love. I literally mean some will find love today. You know why? Some of us sitting here feel horribly unloved. Not only do you feel unloved, you feel unlovable. You believe that no one really loves you. And yet there's something about the Lord's Supper where Jesus invites you to step in 
And everything that he does in the context of this is so clearly out of love. And he says to his disciples, and he says to Pete Hartwig, Here is my body which is broken for you. Here is my blood, which has been shed for you. Jesus announces that He is all in for us. He is all in. And it's out of love. And so my prayer is, is that as we take the cup and the bread today, that you will find peace, you will find hope, and you'll find love. Because here's a place that you can find it for real. Now, this might be the first time you've ever taken the Lord's Supper, or it might be the thousandth time. But as that phrase is read in just a few moments, that we will eat this bread and drink, the, and drink this cup and proclaim the Lord's death until He comes, I want to encourage you to be open to His peace, to His hope, and to His love. Before we partake together, the Bible says we are, to, we are to examine ourselves. The Scripture says this, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ and eat and drink judgment on themselves. What does this mean? It means that when we approach this meal, we don't do it flippantly, but we, we remember what it took for Jesus to provide this meal for us. We also are called to remember the meaning behind it, that Jesus presents this for the forgiveness of sin, that you and I could have peace, we could have hope, we could have love. Now, on the end of the aisles are post-it notes. I'm going to ask that one person would go to where the post-it notes are, peel one off, Keep it for yourself and pass it down the row. So if you'll look, you'll see it. It'll be on one end of the aisles. Once you have your post-it note, if you have a pen, go ahead and take it out. If you have to snag one from your neighbor, do that as well. Truth of it is, in just a moment, we're going to break bread. We're going to drink the cup together. And we're going to remember again what Christ has done for us. But in the midst of this, I want to encourage you to do something. If you know you have a sin in your life and you would like to bring that to Jesus, take just a moment. You don't have to spell it out in case your spouse reads it. But I want to encourage you. Take this post-it note and write something on it that is the real symbol or the representation of what it is in your life that as you examine yourself, you know you need it to be taken care of this morning. So if it's forgiveness, you'll write that down, and under that you'll write peace. 
that what you're going to look for as we break bread and drink the cup, you're looking for peace. The next one is hope. Maybe some of you, just because of the context of your life, you've lost hope. Just know this, that as we break bread and drink the cup, God through Christ can renew your hope. And then love. You might be sitting here and you feel so unloved and so unlovable. If that's you, I would encourage you to write love on this piece of paper. If you need to write all three, by all means do. But if there's one that rises above the other two, I encourage you to write that down. And here's how we're going to take communion. We're going to take just a moment as the worship team begins to play. And as they begin to play, I'm going to encourage you to write down peace, hope, or love, whichever it is. And then communion is sitting up front, and we've got communion on the tables in the back as well. And so this morning is what we're going to call self-serve communion. It's where you, when your heart is ready and you're prepared, you will take your note and you will either come forward or you can head to those communion offering stations right there on the flat spot between the stadium seating and the lower portion. And if you would just write on there what it is that you're going to look for as we take communion together, I encourage you to begin to do that. So again, write down peace, hope, or love, or all three, whatever it is that you need. And then when your heart is prepared, I'm going to ask that you would get up and begin to move. Leave your post-it note where the communion is being offered. And take the cup and the bread and go back to where you're seated. And please wait until we're all prepared to take it together. Let's worship as we do this. Apostle Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's hold the bread up before the Lord. Bible teaches us that Jesus' body was broken and bruised so that our lives and our bodies could be healed. As we take just a moment before we partake together, I want to encourage you to think of someone within your web of influence that needs a touch from God physically this morning. It might be your own body. But I want you to take a moment and whisper a prayer that God would touch and bring healing and bring wholeness.
Jesus, thank you for your body, which was broken for us. We give you thanks for how in love you offered your body as a sacrifice for our sin. Jesus, thank you for taking our place. We give you thanks. Let's eat together. It says in the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Let's hold the cup up before the Lord. If you are here this morning and your post-it note listed a sin where you need forgiveness, the blood of Jesus Christ covers all sin. When we take this cup by faith, I pray God's peace. If you're here this morning and your note said hope, just know that the hope of Jesus is found in this cup because he was resurrected from the dead three days later and nothing is impossible for him. And then last is love. If you feel unloved and unlovable, Know that Jesus Christ loves you. He is all in for you. And there's new life in him. Jesus, thank you so much for your shed blood. Thank you for this cup that is the symbol of your life force that was given for us so that we could live new lives in you. So Lord, in the midst of this cup, we thank you for forgiveness of sin that brings peace. Thank you for the hope of the resurrection. And thank you for love. Let's drink together. As we conclude our service, if you need prayer, if you would like prayer in your life, our prayer team is going to come down front. They're going to be here to pray with you and to pray for you. So if you have a need, whether it's healing, financial, emotional, relational, whatever it might be, and you would like for someone to pray with you and pray for you, they will be down front here to do that. For the rest of us, I want to encourage you to stay just for a few moments in worship. Take a few moments to give thanks to Jesus for what he has done for us as it's been symbolized in this Last Supper, this meal that we have taken together. I'm going to pray the benediction now, but I encourage you to stay until your heart is full. And now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Amen and amen. Let's worship together.